0: Welcome to Metrology Matters, a Zygo Corporation podcast where thought leaders share their insights on various surface metrology topics and how it enables the advancement of precision engineering and manufacturing across a wide range of industries and applications. Zygo is a business unit of Amatec. Hello and welcome to Metrology Matters, a podcast by Zygo. I am your host today, Tyler Kern. And with this being the first podcast in this series, we figured we would answer the question, what is metrology, why does it matter, and how is the industry continuing to grow? And joining me to have this conversation and to answer those questions is Jack Clark, Senior Principal Scientist at Woodward. Jack, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for joining me. I'm great, pleased to be here. Excellent. Well, Jack, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, about your background in the industry and, and how long you've kind of been working in metrology.
1: Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, sometimes that's embarrassing on how long it's been. <laughs> um, back in the 1970s, uh, I actually managed and owned a formula racing team, and uh, we developed quite a bit of engine and powertrain uh, surface finishes and a number of other things to make those cars go very quickly, and that was my first introduction to metrology. crudeed it, it was then compared to now. If we would have known now what we knew, what we were trying to do then, we probably would have done it better. But it did start back in racing, and we developed a number of metrological approaches, but also finishing methods. And that, then that evolved into a, a company that I own that offered those services. In other words, providing specialized surfaces and geometries that would uh, enhance performance of manufactured components and mostly automotive at the time, but later on it evolved into all manufacturing. And then um, that was uh, acknowledged by Adolf Coors' company of all things. And uh, we started a group there called Coors Surface Technology, which was devoted to enhancing the life of all the tooling that made cans and ceramic product. And that was very successful and very knowledge gaining because we were starting to roll into the early 1900s, 1990s, excuse me, and um, (laughs) there were a lot of new advances with materials and coatings during that period, and then that evolved into uh, another consulting gig (laughs) period, and then working with Zygo, of all things, uh, starting in 1999, when it became evident to them that there was another whole world that can be measured with interferometric instruments that is called manufacturing so i helped uh, zygo and chris did as well move into that that world and um, post that i went back into consulting and i had a very good consulting company called woodward inc uh, who's been around this year for 150 years and we created a group there that's a the materials and surface engineering development group So we're a corporate development group that takes care of innovation in uh, surface measurement, metrology primarily, but also the understanding of how surfaces and materials have to be combined and the measurement of all of that so that you have uh, high performance in surfaces. So we're doing a lot of good in the company to advance some of the technological prowess of the company and, and add that to the product capability.
0: That is awesome. Well, hey, Jack, thank you so much for sharing uh, your background and uh, and a little bit about your journey to this point. And uh, you mentioned Chris, so let's introduce Chris as well. Chris Evans, professor of mechanical engineering and director of the Center for Precision Metrology at UNC Charlotte. Chris, thank you so much for joining us as well.
2: Well, thank you. It's uh, going to be interesting this conversation. I hope my background is somewhat different from Jack's. After uh, sort of graduating a long time ago. I spent a few years in a small offshore island before coming to the States in 85 and worked at the what is now the National Institute of Standards and Technology for about 16 years. Moved from there to Zygo where I was the chief metrologist and uh, worked on both the sort of metrological infrastructure in the company and on a number of special products. And then in 2010, I decided that I'd been confused for over 35 years, and it was about time I passed that on before, you know, to another generation and joined the university. And so here I have both the normal sort of teaching requirements. I run a research group, which, like most of my career, spans both precision manufacturing and measurement But we also have the Center for Precision Metrology, which is a really quite nicely equipped facility uh, for dimensional and optical metrology and have a very active group of affiliate member companies.
0: Very, very good. Well, guys, let's let's start off just by answering some of those questions that I mentioned in the introduction. And let's start off by taking a broad macro look at what we're talking about today. Uh, so let's talk about what is metrology and why does it matter? Jack, why don't you uh, take a first crack at that? What is metrology? Tell me a little bit more about why it matters.
1: Well, I think a lot of people have uh, quite a varied opinion of what metrology is. I'm sure Chris has the the uh, more academic and better maybe even relating back to the Greek somewhere on metrology. From a functional standpoint, uh, it is certainly the measurement of uh, things that we make. That is dimensional measurement all the way at, at large scale. That can be many, many millimeters and meters, but all the way down to angstroms sometimes according to the need. And uh, the way I look at it is it's absolutely necessary in understanding uh, whether a part or a component will function if you're not measuring the right things about a part, again, whether it's dimensional or really down to those very fine surface details, you really will not understand whether it will perform or not. That's a, a very basic definition from my standpoint, and that's the kind of thing that we do on a daily basis at Woodward. We make sure our components will function based on the tolerancing. And then, of course, that metrology measures whether we're within those tolerances to, to actually uh, perform.
2: Yeah, so if I can maybe jump in and say, by definition, metrology is the science of measurement. And so it's really about the underlying methodologies of making the measurements that Jack's talking about. But it's also, I think, foundational to many things from you know, fundamental research. Without the science of measurement, we would never have been able to recently prove that gravity waves exist it's foundational to us being able to have this conversation without metrology the semiconductor industry would absolutely not function um, it's foundational to commerce you know if you don't have internationally agreed standards on what length is what volume is you can't make components that will assemble mm-hmm. and uh, the us learned that lesson very clearly with the great fire of baltimore where the pumping engines and hoses from washington didn't match the uh, facility stands and available water sources in baltimore
1: and that by the way that's that's very applicable in manufacturing there are so many companies that build components and assemblies worldwide and we might build one component in Germany and one component here in the U.S. and maybe one in Japan, and then they have to be combined to something that actually functions. And again, if you're not using the same metrology and the same basis for that kind of precision, those components more than likely or could not mate and and perform. So a very, very similar thing, except I take it into the (laughs) the manufacturing Mm -hmm. world, but that's a great example, Chris. Thanks.
0: Yeah, yeah that's, that's a really powerful example and really drives it home for me anyway. So you guys outlined a lot of your experience um, during your introductions. And so given the experience that each of you has, how have you seen metrology evolve over the past 20, 25 years or so? And have these changes helped or hindered?
2: Well, a few ways. One of the most obvious is as the consequence of the improvements in computers, and that leads us to the place where things that were slow and painful early in my career move very fast. We're able to make uh, measurements with uh, in very high resolution, be it in terms of the amount of data we get off a surface or the, the size scales, the length scales to which we measure. In some ways, the instruments we use have become more sort of walk up, press the button, Instruments, which is one of the downsides, because if you don't understand the fundamentals of what the measurement's trying to do, what the results mean, then you can turn out, turn around to your boss and present numbers that are meaningless.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so there's, you know, the need for the fundamental understanding. Is unchanged except in the range of things that we have to understand to be successful. Now is greater than I, I think than it was in 1975 or thereabouts when I first got started.
1: Yeah, I I, I would agree with that completely. Uh, one is is that need for it's almost sad to say more measure ends, but the beauty of it is the more things that we can measure, and I don't mean to over specify what we measure, but the more we me- the more things that we measure, the more we home in on whether it's going to perform or not. I-, I think one of the biggest improvements, especially for high volume production, is the speed at which we can measure now. Um, using optical measurement as opposed to contact measurement we can move many 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 more parts through a production line through the inspection system and it's it's even easier to automate so i think that's one of the the bigger areas the other thing is the repeatability of the measurements have improved in all areas and that of course gives us much more we're much more certain about when the measurement and how it repeats, but also then how the process is repeating that's making the parts. So uh, those are some very key areas, I think.
2: And I think there's another key area there, Jack, that um, a lot of people, particularly managers, just don't appreciate, is that as we reduce the uncertainty in the measurement, we effectively increase the um, headroom for manufacturing because the standards require that we put a guard band on acceptance based on the uncertainty in our acceptance measurement results. So it's not that metrology is sometimes viewed by managers as just a cost. It's both an enabler to make things, and if done well, you can end up perhaps reducing the uh, cycle time for statistical process control or increasing the uh, acceptable range of parts because you've decreased the uncertainty.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And when applied correctly, like you suggest with statistical process control, um, it really does reduce the cost of poor quality which is of course the bottom line effect of you having proper metrology involved with your manufacturing. And by the way, it goes all the way through uh, R&D, product development and all of that. If you don't have the metrology running in parallel, you can't get to that point and specify the proper metrological approach for a final product and its production. So uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, Chris.
0: So, Chris, you know, given that you're in the world of of academia, you know, what limitations in the field of metrology are you trying to overcome with your teaching philosophy? And how will it help students once they've they've graduated and moved into the workforce?
2: Well, I think one of the things that we do here at Charlotte very well is essentially provide a practical uh, engineering curriculum. Hmm. So... You know, by the time our students go out in the world, they know what machine tools are. They know how to use them at some level. They understand some amount of what's known as um, tolerancing, the ideas of how to approach sensibly product design. Um, So it's not just it's not me. It's a whole faculty that's developed uh, a very good structure to generate useful students going out into the world. Hmm. Um, One of the things that I've observed is that typically I get as many phone calls in a month from people looking for metrology-educated engineers as we graduate in a year. And that's, I think, one of the problems. Of course, the benefit to the students is they're in high demand and therefore they go out into the world and with very nice starting salaries.
1: I would um, like to add to that, the one thing I didn't mention in the biography that we provided, that quick one in the beginning, Mm -hmm. I did spend five years at Colorado State University in the uh, mechanical engineering group as a faculty affiliate Uh, which was very nice because I brought a number of instruments into the university that were metrologically related that added to their capability. But Hmm. also I got a chance to work with the students and and help place some of them. And to your point, first of all, there are very few universities in the world that have the focus that UNC Charlotte does. CSU has a little bit of that like Chris says, you know, we can we can give them some hands on with a couple semesters of working with malays and, and that sort of thing. But it has to go further. The The thing that's really required to help them, though, after they graduate is really maybe some internships. Uh, and we do a lot of that at Woodward. We bring in interns from a number of the um I was gonna say manufacturing and engineering universities, but there are a few of them, the mechanical engineering universities. And uh, we try to give them an idea of what they're they're up against. So we would actually give them real projects. Uh, The problem is, is finding the ones that are really qualified and interested to come in even at that level. And I know SME, Society of Manufacturers Engineers has had programs over the last, well actually two decades, to try and instill the want to be in engineering and mechanical engineering uh, all the way down into the grade schools. And it's been helping, but um, it's really important to get the, make the students aware uh, of what, what really good things they can be doing in, in manufacturing and metrology.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that there's been maybe some ambiguity around a, a true pathway to, you know, a profession in metrology in the past? And is that being more well-defined these days or does that still need to be more well-defined like what you're discussing when it comes to internships and things like that? Uh, do, do those still need to be firmed up in order to give people a vision of what their career looks like if they are to choose metrology?
1: Oh, ab- absolutely. Very seldom do you hear institutions talking about the metrological route um it's not really discussed that much in most universities uh and certainly not in the high schools uh, as far as a a path in manufacturing or in mechanical engineering like i say i have been involved with some of unc's uh courses in that and uh, they do a very good job of that but there's still just a handful of universities that can really show you that path Uh, so really the only place they pick it up is when they come into a company that's that, that does mentoring and that really emphasizes metrology as part of their key competency in, in that manufacturing company.
2: I agree, Jack. And there's a, another thing that we're noticing is that you know there's a good number of people who go out to work with a you know BS in mechanical engineering, know nothing about metrology and looking for a way of gaining that knowledge. Uh, what we've done recently is introduce a graduate certificate in metrology so that's a sort of hmm. take four semesters uh four years and um, you know it gives you some basic knowledge of metrology uh, but it also puts you halfway through a master's degree if that's the route you want to go and we teach all the classes in that program remotely so we've had students from i won't say all over the country yet because we have haven't been doing it that long, but we are willing to deliver remote classes. So that's another kind of area for growth, I see.
1: Yep. I agree. And, and oddly enough, one of those students is here in Colorado. It's one of the engineers that works for me in our group. And, um, again, one of my goals being I'm one of these old guys in the company is to mentor as much as I can, which is my way of, of helping to teach uh, the younger engineers out there. But this fellow is, has uh, eight years in the company and a really solid background, but he still needed, even with my mentorship, <laughs> um, the serious learning that you're offering at UNC Charlotte. He's really enjoying that course.
2: Great. Good to hear.
1: Yeah. Thought I'd give you a plug. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, so, in that vein, what effects have corporate partnerships through co-ops or shared research had on those companies and vice versa on the students?
2: Well, I will say that I don't see partnerships with companies as being optional. They're absolutely fundamental to mm. what we're trying to do. So you know, we have a, a variety of partnerships uh, with individual companies. We also have partnerships through our affiliates programs. Uh, those programs expose the students to a bunch of potential employers. Uh, They also operate in a mode of giving early access to research to the companies that are interested. And the flip side of that is it brings companies to campus frequently who provide real-world advice to the students as they're working on projects. We also have a two semester senior design program which most of the projects are industry sponsored and teams of students get to you know design and build typically a prototype for a company when i say a prototype i always emphasize to the companies don't expect you're going to get something that you can put straight into manufacturing as a product and right, don't give it right. anything to do that's absolutely on your critical path
1: yeah, that that's absolutely true. We we sponsor Woodward sponsors quite a number of, of these senior projects and also graduate projects. It's nice. The senior projects are designed to be just two semesters or one school year long for their senior year, and of course, a lot of the graduate projects are are usually much more detailed. But as Chris suggests, if companies are interested and they're listening to this, you do not expect a, a final cleaned up product uh, that can be uh, manufactured and and marketed immediately. But the beauty of it is we get some core uh, technology and investigations, especially into what's out there that can help us through these university contacts. And of course the effect on the student is profound because they actually get to work with the manufacturer. And many times we as the manufacturer guide that or lead that project, and they understand what it's like to work in a group and have a role in the development of of something really pretty unique.
0: Hmm. So, Jack, from your perspective, what tends to be the biggest surprise for students when they enter the manufacturing world with regards to metrology? (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear, don't mind me laughing.
1: well, first of all just a shock well first of all just coming in to any any company from school i'm sure is a shock right but i've i've when i in my term at csu which i say is only five years i managed to place students in in europe and here in the u.s but in japan as well and of course those those environments for the companies uh, are quite different one on how they accept students uh, into the into the company. Some have very rigid, uh, we'll call it, apprentice programs even for the engineers, and then others are a little more loose than that. But uh, with respect to metrology, is they generally have little knowledge of that. Uh, if they're if they're involved in any kind of um, design when they are are introduced to the company, if they're involved with troubleshooting, they may come into a remanufacturing part of the ma- manufacturing in the company. They have to really start understanding what the metrology role is and all of those different things. And it is different when you start looking at all the aspects of manufacturing and then remanufacturing parts. So the answer is they're more than surprised, they're stunned. There's a fair amount to learn about the equipment, how it repeats, how do, how do you qualify the equipment But once you get used to using it, they become quite aware that it's revealing an awful lot about the process and the reliability of the product that's being made. So it's a great education if they're exposed to it. I was gonna comment not so much on students coming from
2: uh, this institution, but uh, frequently in other parts of my uh, working career, I've observed people who can barely spell metrology in manufacturing environments. (laughs) Um, It's not weather forecasting. Uh, And so there's there's this huge, sometimes recognize a huge hole in their education. So I guess that's pretty much the the biggest surprise I'm aware of uh, in this context.
1: Gee, Chris, I, I wonder, have you noticed if metrology has actually been trivialized in the universities because as you know in manufacturing many a times it is trivialized you know it's just very much taken for granted you just buy this thing you push the button like you mentioned earlier and you measure it do a lot of the universities take kind of that approach when they do talk about metrology if they do Like i would say the if they do is the biggest part of that question yeah <laughs> i guess i was leading the the answer wasn't i yeah. sort of <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah yes. I think you're starting to get our our point. Yeah. Um, there There's a real lack of awareness yeah. to engineers <laughs> about just metrology specifically and And the problem is it has tremendous value to the to the mm-hmm. person that's going to hire you if that is part of your resume. right right.
2: I mean, I think going back to your early earlier question about what's evolved over well, I say my career. One of the things that has clearly evolved is that um, there's now an American Society for Precision Engineering, which deals with you know, precision metrology and precision manufacturing. It's not a big society, but it is a professional society with all the trappings of a, of a real professional society. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar organization has emerged in Europe. There's various Asian societies for precision engineering now. One of the oldest is the Japanese Society for Precision Engineering. But that really emerged more from what in England, we would have called production engineering. So they focused more on mainstream products than on leading edge, high precision products. Um, but So there has been that evolution. There's a great deal more information out there. Unfortunately, in my opinion, the quality control on the information that's out there in the literature has deteriorated.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that completely. It's just like about everything else that we see on the web these days. You have to be a little careful of where the information comes from. And in some cases, um, and and I don't want to get too specific about this, you know, when you're out shopping for metrology, you have to be very astute as to truly what that instrument manufacturer is offering. And without a background in it, I just don't see how engineers can specify it, but they do. So they depend on salespeople mostly to tell them whether they'll be measuring the right things or measuring it uh, with the right instrument even. Um, So there's a big hole in the market for that as well. Uh, so it's, at, it's all at all ends of this where many times it gets trivialized and, and very arbitrarily specified.
0: Hmm.
2: Right. And I think, Jack, there's another thing related to what we were talking about earlier was, you know, it comes as a surprise to some, I think, that as a, an engineer, you have to understand the physics of how these instruments work at some level in order to make the sort of informed choices you were just discussing. And so... To succeed in this world, I think, takes people who are inherently multidisciplinary. They're broadly interested, but at the same time capable of getting deep into the weeds.
1: Yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. Because whether it's a contact gauge or an optical non-contact gauge or an electron microscope, you still have to understand how that instrument is interacting with the surface or the, and the part, and then what the ramifications of that, positive and negative. Um, Otherwise, you don't have, you're you're fairly uncertain as far as the measurement goes. You're absolutely correct.
2: And also, you can get yourself in the place where you're making highly repeatable measurements with large biases in them, which you'll never see. But, you know, you can find them by multiple measurements and instruments with different physical bases, or through really understanding the instrument you have.
1: Uh, Yep, that's absolutely right. And you talk about repeatability, you know, that's why it's important to know that you actually do overnight studies and long-term measurement studies to see what the environmental effects are on the instrument. That, of course, you know, the first shift of of the day could be measuring something totally different than third shift, you know, if there's a 10 degree temperature swing in the building. And, you know, people just don't map that kind of thing and understand it. You know, why are we making bad parts third shift and good parts first shift? Or the other way around. Yes, or vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> well, do it in the second shift, and then you've got a nice average, right? Yes. <laughs>
0: So, guys, we started off the conversation just talking about what is metrology? Why does it matter? How has it changed over the last several years? But I want to wrap up the, the conversation just by asking, where do you see it going? How do you see it continuing to evolve and change over the next five to ten years? And, you know, where do you foresee the industry in five years? It's that, uh, that, that get-to-know-you question that, uh, that people get asked as icebreakers all the time. Where do, you want, where do you see yourself in five years? But where do you see metrology in five years? Go ahead, Chris. I think five years is
2: perhaps too short a time span to think in. Hmm. In the world of metrology, we're not making semiconductors where the feature size goes down every two years. We're making the instruments that enable that. But over a slightly longer period, one of the things I see is really this huge growth in the amount of data we can take in any given time. And that's led enabled some measurements that weren't possible before, but you also get to the place where you get some very big data sets and learning how to handle those data sets and finding robust ways of extracting information from data. That I think is gonna be, or ought to be one of the, the big pushes. I think we're gonna see a continuing sort of collection of fads. I mean, right now, everybody's talking about additive manufacturing, and there's very few real parts that can be made just by an additive process with no follow-on subtractive process, which then leads into questions like, how do I know the coordinate system of the additive machine to know where to machine without going through the thin walls and all those kinds of problems?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, i i totally agree and one is yes five years is too short because our development cycles are much longer than that if you think about aerospace and and power generation and and a lot of the things moving ships around and large vehicles and you know diesel powered this that and the other thing uh our cycles are way too long to uh think that short but you know you're, you're bringing up additive is is really Uh, important because Woodward is making quite a number of parts with metallic additive processes. And our group, because we are a materials and surface group, we help develop and understand the material structure and whether it's comparable to the wrought material. But also we have to decide at what level can we finish these, that they're still functional, dealing with a totally different beginning surface. And the metrology is really important there on what you pick to really characterize what you need to know functionally on an additive part. I didn't want to get that specific, but being Chris brought it up, you know, everybody's talking about it, but what do you do with these parts? Can you make it perform much like a, a rod or a, a billet part? And the metrology is very, very important there. But I think the other thing, that we better do in the next five to ten years or more is just increase the education and awareness of people in engineering about the value of metrology and the paths of that you can take in in that world in general whether it's within the manufacturer that uses the metrology or in the instrument company that builds the instruments you know, if those companies don't get the right application feedback from the manufacturers, we still don't have progressive things or, or measurands that the instrument can produce to really control our manufacturing. So it's a real delicate balance that I've worked with, and I really cherish the time I worked at Zygo and then the time that I've been working in manufacturing as well to kind of see that balance And the fact that you do need that cooperation with universities, instrument manufacturers, machine tool manufacturers, to progress to where we want to be. So this whole awareness of of the metrology, I think, is, is going to have to grow over this period. I agree.
0: Well, Jack and Chris, thank you guys so much for for joining me today and kicking off Metrology Matters, a podcast by Zygo. I I think you guys did an incredible job uh, breaking down a lot of the the trends that you're seeing in the industry and uh, some of the areas where the industry is going to continue to grow, especially in the areas around education and in moving young engineers up from college into the workforce. And so, uh, Jack Clark, Senior Principal Scientist at Woodward, thank you so much for joining me today, Jack.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. And Chris Evans, Professor of Mechanical Engineering and Director of the Center for Precision Metrology at UNC Charlotte. Chris, thank you for joining us as well.
2: It was a pleasure. Thank you.
0: And everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to this first episode of Metrology Matters. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure you subscribe right there on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure you get the future episodes downloaded directly there on your mobile device or wherever and however you listen to podcasts. Of course, we will be back soon with more podcasts here in this series. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.